Today's episode is part of a series titled Duty Calls, and we're going to be talking about the saints who showed us how. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson, wife, mother, worrier, overthinker, type A, holding on to God and his promises to get me through the day. Thanks for joining me to explore everyday issues from a biblical perspective so we can all know and love God more. And we could look at many people through the Bible who accepted responsibility because they were children of God. We could be looking at Abraham or Jacob or David or the Apostle Paul and really all the apostles, Moses, Ezekiel, um, several people. But we're just going to narrow it down to three people to talk about how they took on the responsibility of being a child of God, so not serving and Um, feeling obligated to follow God, but rather because they were children of God, they took on certain duties and they took on responsibilities in a certain way. Now, this responsibility, these duties um, cost them. They all had costs to what they chose to do, but we're going to see if the cost was worth the reward. The payoff was worth it in the end. And then, of course, we're going to apply it to our own lives. What duties, what responsibilities do we have that we can, as children of God, step up and do? And what is the cost? And is the reward worth it? So I want to begin with a meme that says, it costs to follow Jesus, but it costs more not to. So a lot of times in our walk with God, we will have certain um, responsibilities or opportunities to serve God that fall into our lap or that open up, and we can choose if we're going to be part of kingdom work and accept the cost that comes with it. And a lot of times the cost is fairly significant. We might have to pay the cost of time. It may cost us time with our family or It may cost us late nights correcting papers or preparing for another study or um, doing something other than just having fun. It may cost us some friends because as we, um, you know, really work in the kingdom, we may have less time to do other things with friends who would like to spend time with us. Um, There are many ways that kingdom work can cost us, but... There's also usually a reward to it, too. Now, the reward may or may not be monetary. And I'd say more often than not, it's probably not monetary, although sometimes it is. But a lot of times, God pays us in different ways. He pays us with Christian friendships, with um, people who have, you know, benefited from the kingdom work that we've done and the encouragement that we receive from them. He pays us by, um, you know, walking with us and helping us through and opening doors and giving us the strength and sometimes miraculously paving the way when we don't see a way. So God is always there to help us and to walk with us and to just reward us and be with us. And that in and of itself, walking with God is the reward. And that says nothing of the reward that is to come. And that is what we receive when we get to our home in heaven, the reward of spending eternity with God. 
So we're going to look at three people, as I said, and the first person that we're going to look at is Joseph. The first time we see him having a responsibility is when his father asks him to go and check in on his brothers who are tending the sheep some distance from home. So Joseph went, and as his brothers saw him coming from afar, they decided that they wanted to kill him. They threw him in a cistern and... Um, decided, after all, not to kill him, but rather to just sell him to some traders going to Egypt. And so that way they could have him out of their life and he would still be alive and somewhat well, I guess. And at least he was gone. So the duty, the responsibility that Joseph had in checking on his brothers cost him his freedom. It cost him his family. It cost him his homeland. And he was taken to Egypt. The next duty he had was to Potiphar. So Potiphar bought him as a slave, and so so Joseph started to work for Potiphar. Now, Joseph might have decided to just do as little as possible, stay under the radar, you know, not draw any attention to himself, just do really as little as he had to do to get by. But that's not what Joseph did. He took the responsibility as Potiphar's slave seriously, and he did everything well. So well that in very little time, Potiphar decided that he would be in charge of his entire household. We see Joseph really taking this duty and this responsibility to Potiphar seriously when Potiphar's wife takes notice of Joseph. He's a young, handsome man, and she decides that she wants to sleep with him. And so she decided to... Uh, come on to him day after day, and yet out of respect for Potiphar and out of um, his devotion to God, Joseph determined he was not going to do that. So he made a point to stay away from Potiphar's wife and not um, let himself be tempted in that way. Well, little good it did him because eventually Potiphar's wife had an opportunity. She was alone with him in the house. She came on to him and When he ran away from her, she accused him of trying to rape her, and that landed him in jail. So this duty that he had, that he took seriously to Potiphar, cost him his freedom and his reputation. And let's just think for a minute how easy it would have been for Joseph as a slave to succumb to the temptation that Potiphar's wife was putting on him. So as a slave, he might have thought, you know, I may not ever have the opportunity to get married. Maybe I should just enjoy the pleasure that's right in front of me. Who's going to know? It's not like my family's going to find out. I'm a long ways from home. And yet he took that duty and responsibility very seriously, and it came at a cost. The next time that we see him taking on a responsibility is in the jail. Now, again, he might have just withered away in jail and decided that he was just going to hang out, lay low. He'd already had a terrible um, experience as a slave, so why try now? But we see just the opposite. Here he is working hard again in the jail, being noticed by the jailkeeper, so much so that he puts him in charge of the jail. And then two men come along and they have dreams. And Joseph, again, might have just listened to the dreams and just decided it's not my business, I don't need to get involved, and done nothing about it. But instead, he used the talents and abilities that God had given him to interpret dreams to tell the two men what their dreams meant. 
Little did it help him. He had asked the cupbearer to remember him when he was raised back to his position, but of course, the cupbearer did not. Until a couple of years had passed and Pharaoh had a dream. And then the cupbearer remembered. So all of a sudden, he was in a position to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. And that led to a new opportunity. Pharaoh put him in charge of the entire land. So again, as we've seen in the past, Joseph took this opportunity to work hard, to use all the wisdom that God had given him to store up food during those seven good years so that Egypt and the entire surrounding area would have food during the famine that was to come. So what does Joseph's life show us? Well, it shows us that Joseph worked hard, even when it wasn't what he wanted to be doing. And he continued to get back up and work hard, even when the chips kept falling. So even when things seem to just go from bad to worse, we can do whatever's right in front of us. Whatever God puts in front of us, work hard at it. Um, honor God with, the, with your work ethic, with the way you go about things. And again, honor the people around you. Honor the people who are over you, even if they are a slave master, a jailkeeper, or a heathen king. We'll be back with this episode in just a minute. But first, I want to pass along something that might help your faith journey. What if mothers in the Bible could give you advice to help you on your parenting journey? That's the premise for my book of Bible studies titled Bible Moms, Life Lessons from Mothers in the Bible. Former Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary President Armin Panning reviewed Bible Moms and had this to say about it. Quote, with the book written for women, I was obviously not the intended audience, but I found the volume very edifying nonetheless. I have no doubt it should prove even more instructive and encouraging for the intended readership. Unquote. During COVID, my Bible studies via Zoom kept me going. This book is perfect for a mom's group and our featured resource this month. Older women, this would be a perfect time to get a mom's group together and share your insight and encouragement with moms who are in the trenches right now. For more information, go to amberlbswenson.com. Back to today's episode. The next person we're going to look at is Esther, and she started life fairly tragically. Both her parents died, so she was sent to live with her cousin. And again, like Joseph, things went from bad to worse when the king of the land, Xerxes, banished his wife. And then some time passed and he became lonely. So his nobles came up with this brilliant plan to confiscate all the beautiful young virgins of the land so that Xerxes can try them out one after another and determine which one he wanted to have as his queen. Well, here this godly, devout, young Jewish woman was taken from her home with her cousin Mordecai to live at the palace for her chance to be tried out by the king. And then she'd be sent to the harem, and she didn't know from then if she would ever be called on again or not. Her duty at that time... Um, was to stay true to her Jewish roots. And she did this by obeying 
Mordecai. So Mordecai said to her when she was taken, listen, don't tell him that you're a Jew. Just keep that under the radar. Don't say anything and just do what you have to do, which is exactly what she did. She didn't um, go over the top when she was sent for by the king. She just obeyed and listened to whatever the eunuch said that she should bring with her, that she should wear. That's what she did. And um, then again, we know that she was chosen to be queen. Now her duty as a Jewish woman is to her husband. Now this would not be easy. Again, think of who this was. This was Xerxes. He had been with many women. He had had a previous wife. He was, um, we saw in the first chapter of the book of Esther, he had this huge banquet where he showed off his kingdom and the drinking was uh, pretty intense. So this is who her husband was. Again, not her choice likely. Um, She would have probably preferred to be married to a devout Jewish man and not this playboy of a king. And yet here she was. So she served obediently. And then all of a sudden, crisis struck. The Jews were in trouble and Mordecai sent word that she would need to step in. She didn't want to. She didn't make any qualms about saying, listen, I am not the one for this. It's against the law for me to do this. She didn't feel she had the leverage She knew it was against the law. She's not a lawbreaker. So what to do? Well, Mordecai said, you don't have a a choice in this because you're in a position to go see the king to help out. And if you don't, you're going to die with all the rest of the Jews. So you have to do this. So what was the cost? It could have cost her her life. She had to put her life on the line in order to stand up for all the Jews She was told that she was put in this position for this time. And so, armed with the strength that came from all the people praying for her and praying herself, she went to the king. Now, Esther shows us that even when we are in these places, again, like Joseph, that not of our own choice, we can stand in the gap for God's people. So, as we have opportunity, God can use us to speak up for people who don't have a voice, to be a source of justice when there is very little justice to be found. And again, Esther shows us this might be fairly uncomfortable. We might be put in a position we never wanted to be in. We may be asked to have more courage than we have. And yet, armed with the strength of those praying for her, she went. And the result, the payoff, was that her people were spared. The last people that we're going to look at are Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were taken as teens, very likely, from Israel. Um, They were from noble families, and they were taken to serve in Nebuchadnezzar's um, kingdom. So they were taken to learn the ways of Babylon, and then after a three-year program, they would be part of his advisors. So what was the cost? Well, again, as um, Joseph, they were taken from their homeland. They were taken from their homes. They were put in a heathen land, and they didn't really have a whole lot of choice as to what they could do. Now, having said that, they went on a limb and asked to not eat the food that would have them defiling their Jewish diet. And 
thankfully, God um, caused the person in, in charge of uh, the food to have find favor with them, and so he allowed them to not defile themselves in that way. All throughout the book of Daniel, we're, we see that these men were put in these positions where they sort of had a choice to make. Would they honor God in their service, even if it came at any cost? Or would they bend and just go the way of the world? And time after time after time, they made the choice to honor God. When everybody else bowed down to the um, great image, the statue that Nebuchadnezzar put up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused. And it cost them um, in that they were thrown into the fiery furnace. But God decided to spare them. And so they were uh, they were an example to everybody else that God is the real God. Uh, Daniel, when he um, interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, he made a point of saying, look, I couldn't do this on my own. God did this. That God is the only one who can reveal these dreams. He chose to honor God in that situation. When the writing on the wall appeared, again, Daniel um, interpreted what was written saying, you know, this is from God. And this is what God says. When uh, chapter six, we see Daniel who was put in the lion's den. Um, these men were jealous of Daniel and the position that he had gained in the in the government, and they wanted to take it away from it. But they realized that he was good at everything that he did. We're told that he was not negligent in anything. So in other words, he did everything that he was supposed to do. He didn't leave anything undone, and he was trustworthy. So if he was asked to do something, he did it. The only thing that they could find against him was to persecute him for his religion, which is exactly what they did. So from Daniel and his friends, we see how we can be dual citizens. We can serve and honor God while serving in whatever role we're given in the world. It doesn't have to be one or the other. We can do our work and still maintain godliness and still stand apart as godly Christian people. What were the costs? Many. They found themselves on occasion being singled out. They were persecuted. They were taken from their families and their homelands, and they were put in positions that were not of their choosing. And yet, they served God well. And because of it, they represented the Jews in captivity. Billy Graham said, Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. Discipleship is that act of um, becoming like Christ, the process of becoming Christ-like, of learning from Christ, who, by the way, didn't come to be served, didn't come for his own comfort, came to serve us and give his life for us. And then he said, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That is Christ's challenge to us. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your comfort. Don't worry about getting the best job, the cushiest position. Don't worry about getting all the things that you would like. 
out of life. Instead, make it your ambition to serve God faithfully. What will be the cost? Well, we talked about them at the beginning. There will be a cost of time. There might be a cost of comfort. We may be in very uncomfortable situations. We may have um, a cost of, we, we don't have the strength or the courage to do what we're being asked to do. But guess what? Neither did Esther. That just means we have to have the people around us praying for us so that we can get the strength that we need from God. And what's the payoff? Well, I think all these people show us that the payoff is walking with God and experiencing the sometimes miraculous way he works in our lives. Time after time, through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, we see how God is intimately involved in his people's lives. He's working on their behalf. Yes, that means sometimes we're in difficult situations, but it also means as we trust in God, he is working to defeat Satan and Satan's army, which is constantly threatening us in our faith. So is it worth it? I would say yes. Not just is it worth it to walk with God on this side of heaven, but it's it's really going to be worth it. The payoff is going to be huge when we get to heaven and we are able to spend eternity with God and rejoice with all the saints who went through the same things we have been going through. So again, this is not talking about our obligation to follow God. We are not, we're not obligated to do that. We are, um, we, we are following God by, with loyalty and with our devotion. But we're talking about the responsibilities and the opportunity that God gives us as we walk on this faith journey. Hopefully this makes sense to you and this will um, encourage you to take those responsibilities seriously and keep honoring God with your choices and with the way that you live. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Don't forget to go on your favorite podcast forum and rate this podcast and share it with your friends, download it um, so that other people get to know this. Thank you for your prayers. They really keep us going here at Time of Grace as we continue to share the good news about Jesus.